Amen. Let's all take the hymn. Let's turn to hymn number 56. Hymn number 56, when we all get to heaven.
the feet of his betrayer, then surely he could love a heart like mine. He could love a heart like mine. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, just take it from me. It'll never be bigger than his traitor, a liar and a faker, if he could break the bread and share the wine, if the humble-hearted Savior could wash the feet of his betrayer, then surely he could love a heart like mine, love a heart Well, amen. It uh, seems like about a week since I've seen you all, because it has been, right? Uh, Anyhow, uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house tonight to have you here. Um, Do want to say congratulations to the Fosters. Uh, Baby Miles is here. And uh, so if you would continue to pray for uh, Miss Reagan and for Miles. Uh, Miles is in the NICU, be there for a little while. Uh, and so uh, Miss Reagan will be getting out of the hospital before long, and then they start that back and forth thing. Uh, and so, if you would just pray for them, I know it'd be um, it'll be difficult. And so, just pray for them as uh, they go through the next several weeks. Um, also, uh, want to uh, say that um, appreciate the snow removal and the sidewalk care. Uh, last several years, we've contracted that, and this year we have a really great contract with uh, Brother Benson. And uh, so he brings his guys in, they clean all the sidewalks, put down all the stuff, and then uh, they come up and push the snow. And uh, so appreciate uh, them being able to do that and uh, willing to do that. So uh, thank you very much for that, uh, Brother Benson. And then uh, Mrs. Cooper, if you would please be praying for her and her health. Last several days uh, I've been in contact with her, and to be honest, every time I thought this might be the last time I talked to her. And I'm just thankful uh, for Miss B. She's been a part of my life since we came here 33 years ago. Uh, for those who don't know, her and Miss Debbie are charter members, the only charter members we have. And uh, so. Uh, her time for this earth is probably very short. And so our prayers ought to be, Lord, let it happen smoothly and then give your grace uh, for all of us. And uh, it'll it'll almost be like losing a mom in some ways. She's always kind of been grandma uh, to, uh, she taught my boys in uh, going through a Sunday school class and they would call her grandma, you know, and so, uh, it'll not be an easy thing, but um, she's going to a better place. I'm very envious in many ways. And so uh, please pray uh, for her and the transition and all that happens there. So um, Richard and I were supposed to be coming back and getting here just right about church time. We were supposed to have been at Heartland for a couple of days at the Home Missions Conference and uh, stopped Monday. Uh, in Wichita and had lunch with a friend and before it was all over transmission was out of my vehicle 
and uh, then uh, uh, talked to another friend of mine. He loaned me a vehicle to come home, and my truck's in the shop, all kinds of stuff. But, and we had gas line freeze up on the way there. It's just like I told Richard when the transmission went, I said, I'm done. I'm going home. I'm, I'm not going anyplace else. I'm going home. And uh, so he had no other choice but to come home. But I'd already scheduled Brother Lalo to preach, and I know he likes to preach. And uh, so I t he goes, so does this mean that you're going to preach Wednesday night? I said, no, I won't take that from you. So Brother Lalo's preaching for us tonight. I'm so thankful uh, for him and Miss Caitlin being here. Uh, it's such a blessing to have them, their love for the Lord and their walk with God. And uh, one other thing I might mention is that Sunday... If you didn't catch the service as it happened and you've been looking for it, it hadn't been finalized. And so Brother Scott's supposed to finalize it tonight. It'll be there. You can go back and watch it. And it was soul-stirring. We had auditorium was packed with people. <clears throat> Anyhow, uh, I preached on uh, all thy heart. And so, uh, anyhow, Brother Lawler's one. Amen. Well, I had a mini heart attack while Lucy was singing because I could not find my Bible anywhere. But my wife went and found it. So, um, thanks, babe. <laughs> Save the whole message. Okay. Well, if you can turn your Bibles to the book of Haggai. We'll be in the first chapter of the book of Haggai. And if you need help finding it, um, I bookmarked mine way forever ago, so I'm not going to be much of a help. It's in the Old Testament, I promise. Um, it's actually towards the end, uh, just a few chapters uh, before Matthew. Haggai chapter 1, and whenever you find uh, your place there, if you can go ahead and be standed uh, through respect of reading God's word. Uh, Haggai chapter 1, and we'll be reading in verse 1. It says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways, Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this uh, great honor it is to preach, Lord, behind this pulpit to this uh, amazing church, Lord. I just pray you uh, uh, give me the words to say, Lord. And I pray you calm my nerves, be with me tonight, Lord. And I pray that... Uh, you just use me to, to, to preach your word. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for the protection you've provided for us, Lord. And I just pray you be with those who are in their hospital, Lord, and uh, be with Miss B, Lord, as uh, her time is approaching to see you, Lord. I just pray you give her and the family comfort, Lord. Thank you for everything, Lord. Thank you for everything you've done, everything you will do. Your name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> um, so I think it'd be helpful if we were to uh, just kind of uh, familiarize, familiarize ourselves with uh, where we are in this book when we, when we come introduced to the book of Haggai. So Haggai was a prophet to the nation of Judah. This would have been after the split already, and this actually would have been um, after uh, God's people um, had been taken into captivity. Um, they actually had been away from, the, from Jerusalem for about 70 years. Uh, so Haggai would be a prophet to, to the nation of Judah after their release uh, from Babylon. And uh, there was a, they were called the remnant of God's people. They, they traveled back to Jerusalem, back to where God wanted them to be, back to their promised land. Um, there was a small group of them compared to the, to the rest that, that had gone into captivity. And Haggai would have been, would have been the first, one of the first prophets to, to prophesy unto them. In fact, uh, of the 12 minor prophets, which Haggai is one of the minor prophets, uh, the first nine prophesied to Judah uh, uh, before Judah was taken away into captivity. And the last three, which would have been Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, uh, they, they, they were prophets to the nation of Judah after they were released uh, from the captivity uh, in Babylon. And uh, so King Sirius of Persia uh, had allowed the exiled Jews to, to return to Jerusalem after about 70 years of their captivity. Uh, two years later, uh, we find this in the book of Ezra, the construction on the temple finally began. 
If you remember, Solomon had built a, a great, magnificent, I can't even, you know what I mean, the great temple for God, and uh, it was destroyed. And uh, two years after they, they went back to Jerusalem, uh, they, they, they began to build the temple again. And they actually stopped their work after about two years. Um, after uh, about two years, they, they were able to finish the foundation. And in Ezra, we see that that's about everything that was built, was the foundation to the temple of the Lord. And that, that, that kind of catches us up, the, the main important factors uh, leading up to our passage today. So we're, here we have Haggai. He's a prophet. God's going to use him to prophesy something, to send a message to the nation of Judah after they, they, they were exiled and they were taken to captivity. They were there for 70 years. They come back, they build the foundation, and they stop working. And in fact, this takes place 14 years after they had finished building the foundation for, for the new temple of the Lord, the, the rebuilding, you could say, of the, of the temple of the Lord. So here we are, 14 years later, after the foundation has been built, <clears throat> and God has a message for, for the people of Judah, for his children. <clears throat> uh, before we get into that message, though, there's, there's two other characters you'll see pop up a lot. We won't deal with them, but it'd be good to familiarize yourself. It'd be Zerubbabel, and he was the governor of uh, Jerusalem. And we also have Joshua. He was the high priest. And you see these three names a lot throughout this book. So uh, we finally get to God's message. It says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. <clears throat> so here, here comes Haggai. We would have been around September, I guess, if you compare it to our calendar. Um, and he has a message from the Lord. Um, this, this message comes, like I said, after the foundation had been built. And I, I want us to read something. I'll, I'm going to read something in Ezra chapter 3. Don't turn there. But it's an important verse dealing with the foundation of the temple of the Lord. It says, Ezra chapter 3, verse 10 through 11, says, And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord after the ordinance of King David of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So if we take a sneak, back, a sneak peek back in time, we see when they finished building the foundation for the temple of the Lord, there was a great party, there was a great rejoicing, people were pumped up. The, the, the temple of the Lord, we're back where we're supposed to be, we're praising God because we're finally, we're, we're building up his house again. We're, we're back where he wants us and we get to rebuild this magnificent temple for God. I'm going to stop trying to say that word the rest of the message. Uh, we're, we're building this great temple up for God again. There was a great rejoicing. But for some reason, the, 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 the construction project stops after the foundation. There was this great rejoicing over the foundation, and then it just stops for 14 years. And, and God is even referencing, uh, you could say, what, what the reasoning for the people. This is what they said. Uh, the, this people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. <clears throat> you see, the, the nation of Judah, God's children, God's people, the people that God charged with, re, with rebuilding his temple, they, they, they reasoned amongst themselves, I guess you could say. They, they, they logically, they came to a conclusion saying this, it's not time to build God's temple again yet. It's, it's, it's not time yet. That's the conclusion they came to. That's what he says. This people say, the time is not come the time that the Lord's house should be built. These people made the conclusion that, you know what? It's not really time to build God's temple again yet. <clears throat> and, you know, we we're judging that, but, but if we put ourselves in their shoes, we might have said the same thing. And you say, why? Well, um, they were in captivity for 70 years, so they're coming back to a land that had been desolate for that long. No upkeep, no maintenance. Not only that, but can you imagine rebuilding a temple? That's not an easy task to undertake. That's, that's some hard work. Uh, they were even, if you can imagine, they, were, they probably didn't leave Babylon the richest people on the planet. They, were, they probably didn't, had low resources, and they definitely had low manpower. They, they were struggling on both fronts. Uh, not only that, but we'll read in a little bit that they, throughout the years, they were, suffer they were suffering from a lot of crop failures, and, and they, just couldn't, uh, they just couldn't obtain enough resources to, to do this, this huge task God had laid out for them. 
And not only that, to make matters worse, we see in Ezra chapter 4 that there was enemies around them who began to try and discourage them and even try and get in the way of their building project, of them building back the temple of the Lord. And maybe this is just speculation on my part, but can you imagine what they were thinking? Just kind of how Israel was thinking of, man, if we can just go back to Egypt. Man, if we can go back to Babylon, we wouldn't have to deal with all this. So logically speaking, they, they, they reasoned amongst themselves, looking at, their, they didn't have resources, they didn't have the manpower, and yet they were surrounded by enemies trying to stop their work. You know what? Obviously, it's not time for us to build the temple of the Lord. If, if, if it was time for that, then everything would have worked out the way it was supposed to be. Isn't that how our God works? Isn't that how it's supposed to be? So they reasoned amongst themselves and said, you know what, this project, is, we're stopping it for now. We'll get back on it, but we're stopping it for now. It's not time yet. And that's where Haggai comes. Here we go. The message from the Lord says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? And here's where where the problem unfolds. See, God has a very direct, a very stern, a very straightforward message for the people of Judah. They stopped their building project. They said it wasn't time for us to finish the temple of the Lord. But God says, but it was time for you to finish your own houses? And it was time for you to refurbish your homes? Yes, the circumstances around you said, it's not time to build the Lord's house. But your actions tell me that you did think it was time for you to go and refurbish your own homes and build up your own houses. And that word sealed is very important because that word sealed homes, it just means this. They were building themselves some nice homes. They they weren't living in shacks. They weren't living in mud huts. No, they were building themselves some, some nice houses. And the children, the, the children of Judah got to a point where we're stopping this project because it obviously isn't time for the, Lord, for the Lord's house to be rebuilt, but it is time for me to go work on my own personal house. That's what it's time for. And God said, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. <clears throat> and they had their excuses, you could say. They had their reasoning for this, but God saw right through that. The one thing that God saw was a messed up priority list. The one thing that God saw was that he wasn't the priority for the children of Judah. He wasn't, the, the, the work that he had laid on them for them to do wasn't the priority for them. Their own homes was the priority. Their own comfort was the priority. And yeah, they might have had their reasoning and they might have made sense to, to us humanly speaking. But to God, all God saw was a priority that, that wasn't in the right place. He was supposed to be the priority. <clears throat> they're sitting in their houses, their sealed houses, their nice homes. And yet, the temple of the one and almighty God lies in ruins. They had wrongly ordered priorities. That was the problem. Yes, they, should have re- they, shouldn't, they shouldn't have rested until, until they saw the temple of the Lord uh, being finished, but yet, they put it off for 14 years. And they built their own homes. And I can also, I like uh, just imagining myself, putting myself in their shoes. Can you imagine? Well, we're not doing, we're not going to build this because obviously it's not working out. It's, it's not time for that because things are just kind of hard. We don't have the resources and our enemies. Uh, I mean, but where are we going to live? How are we going to build up the temple of God if we don't have a house ourselves? So let's go build our house. And, and they would build their houses. And, and uh, as time went on, uh, they would kind of sort of put the temple of the Lord in the back of their mind. Um, and I mean, they had stuff to do. How were they supposed to survive? They have a house to build, a family to feed, so they have to plant crops and, 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 and work on their fields so that maybe they have food to eat. They have to try and find a way to make money so that they can survive. Obviously, that's, that's what we have to do. How else are we going to eventually be able to build a temple of the Lord if we don't survive and if we don't make money to fund the project? Of course it makes sense. Let's build up our homes first, and, and, then, and then we'll get to the temple of God. We'll get there eventually, I promise. The economy's a little down right now, but once it settles down, I promise I'm going to give some more funds to, to fund the Temple of the Lord Rebuild Project. And yeah, I understand that right now they need, we, we need, somebody needs to rebuild that temple, but I'm a little tied up right now with my projects at home. I'm, I'm installing a new kitchen, a, a new bathroom. I don't know if they I obviously had a kitchen back then, but once I'm done with that stuff and once we're set off and everybody's ready, then I'll go ahead and volunteer my, my work for my, my, my labor for, for the temple of the Lord. Once everything's ready, I'll stop here. Once, we're, once I'm set, I'll go ahead and go work on the temple of God. And another thing to remember is they did have the, the altar set up, so they would go to, to the altar to make sacrifices to God. 
and they would walk by the, the, the foundation and the rubble that was left behind every time they went to go make their sacrifices. So can you imagine with me as, as you and your family are leaving the, from your sacrifices and you walk by and like, man, somebody really needs to get on that. I'm going to pray really hard that God sent somebody to build that temple up. We got to get on that. That's bad. Anyway, let's get back home. We got, we got some projects to take care of at home for our houses, our homes. And God wasn't having any of it. He, he looked right past their excuses, right past their reasons as to why they couldn't get his house done. <clears throat> Saw right through it. <clears throat> then we get to verse 5 and 6. It says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Haggai says, God says, everybody stop what you're doing and let's sit down and consider some things. Let's look at some things. Let's let's reconsider some things. Let's consider the direction that we're going and if if we really want to keep on going this direction. And obviously he talks about them, them, them working so hard for, for they, they would work maybe day in and day out to try and plant as, as many crops as they possibly could just, just so they can make enough resources to survive for this year and maybe get them on a, going for the next year. But as much as they work, their crops, just, it just wouldn't be enough. They were falling short on their resources. And he even compares it to, can you just imagine going out and, and working all day and you get your, your pay finally and it's like putting money in, in, a, in, a, in a bag with holes. That's how fruitless their efforts were during these 14 years when they were supposed to be building the temple of God as they would go out and try and, and, and provide for their family. They would try and plant for resources. They would try and make money. Nothing was working. It was fruitless. They, they just never had enough. Never had enough. <clears throat> it even says, you drink, but you are not filled with drink. And that's funny because uh, not only were they, they did not have enough resources, but it seems like uh, maybe some were chasing after the, the things that they were chasing after, like those sealed homes or, or, or said resources or said money. Um, it seemed that as much as they chased after that, not only would they never have enough, but even if somehow they obtained it, it just, it was never enough. They weren't satisfied. It didn't satisfy them. They were, they were low on resources, and the stuff they were chasing after never satisfied them. It never left them fulfilled. <clears throat> they don't know what's going on. They're hoping it'll, it'll, it'll turn around. The economy will, it'll bounce back. We'll be okay. We've got to push through this. It, it, it happens in every nation's history. Uh, we go through rough patches, but once you get past it, we'll be set. And guess what? We're going to build that temple up just like that for the Lord. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of hands. God says, you know why this is going on? You know why as much as you work, it's never enough, and it never satisfy you? It's because while my house is sitting in ruins, you go home to your sealed houses, to your nice homes that you built up, and you keep on chasing after things that won't satisfy you. And you keep on working for resources that will never be enough. While my house, what I told you to build, what I told you was the priority project for, for, for you, for, for your nation, just lies in ruins. It lies in waste. God's saying, but I'll give you another chance. Get up. Go get the supplies. Get to work. I have a house that needs to be built. My temple needs to be rebuilt. And it was time for God's people to start being concerned with pleasing Him and doing the work He called him, them to do instead of themselves. <clears throat> they took their time being pleasured and, and glorified and being comfortable in their houses, 
But now it was time for Lord's work to be done. God was telling them to go and do it. It's, it's time. I've given you enough chances. I'm trying to get your attention. Come on, let's get this project done. And surprisingly enough, the awesome thing about this, this passage is they actually responded well to, one, to Haggai's message. A lot of prophets were faced with a lot of opposition. But in this case, we see that even started with Zerubbabel, the governor first, and then Joshua, the high priest, started with the leadership. They, they, they took God's message seriously and they said, you know what, you're right. We, that's wrong of us. What have we been doing? And they led the people to, to start building up the temple of the Lord once again. They, 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 they got back on track and said, you know what, God, you're right. We have to make the work you laid on our lives the priority. And it says that even the people followed them. It says, then Zerubbabel, the son, the son of Shealtiel, the, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> they led the people. They said, you know what? We fear the Lord. We feel the presence of the Lord. We, we, we're taking this seriously. Let's get to work. And it says, then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people. So they get up and they, and they, they obey God's command, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And immediately, as soon as they go up and start doing what God had called them to do in the beginning, God says, I am with you guys. You guys have my backing again. You guys have my blessing once again. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. I'm glad that's not how we talk about our years now. That's confusing. But once they got back to work, not only did God put his hand of blessing back upon them, but it says that God even, you could say, God gave them a new zeal for the project that God had given them. It seemed Zerubbabel and Joshua, as they led the people, God gave everybody a spirit of wanting to get back on fire and building up the temple that God had told them to build in the first place. <clears throat> Immediately, as they got back right, on, right back on track, uh, God's work became the priority once again. God's blessing was on our life. And he even gave him a zeal to, to, to finish the project he had given them. Now, just, just a little question. How many of you know somebody, better be careful, how many of you know somebody, okay, that whenever they start feeling a little headache or a little stomach ache or a little pain anywhere, they, they immediately go, to, to the most trusted resource known to man. They go to Google, right? And they type it in right away, right? And turns out there's like a list of like 70 different diseases they have now because of the headache, right? We, we all know that. It, it, it's funny. <clears throat> it's not very trustworthy to type in your, your symptoms or, or type in what, what a condition is on Google and, and expect some things. But there, I, think, I believe there are some symptoms. Uh, we, we grasp the truth, right? That... God had called the nation of Judah to do something, to build this temple, and they put that aside and started building their own houses. That was the problem, right? We grasped the truth of the, they had some messed up priorities. We grasped that, right? Well, I think in this passage, uh, a little more trust, a lot more trustworthy, you can say, than, than Google or uh, uh, I don't know what other websites you can type in your symptoms into. Um, uh, we'll find some symptoms, you could say, because I could get up here and say and ask you guys this. Um, examine your lives. Are you guys, are your guys' priorities not the way they're supposed to be? Is God number one? But I feel like a lot of times just asking that question is enough because we'll be just like the nation of Judah and we'll convince ourselves that, yeah, I'm good. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. My, my logic, my reasoning, my excuses, yeah, they make sense. But I want to go to the, to, to the Word of God, and even from this passage, we're going to look at four things, you could say symptoms, you could say, you could, four points that you can kind of examine your own life with, and you can say this, huh, are my priorities a little bit out of whack? Are my priorities where they're supposed to be? <clears throat> and here's number one, if you're writing stuff down. Those who place their own plans above God's work for their lives are Christians who have grown indifferent, or you can say this, stagnant, or maybe this, apathetic to the things of God. That's what we find here, right? We see at the beginning in Ezra, Ezra tells when they first built the foundation, they were excited, they were rejoicing. 
But as the things around them kind of became to overwhelm them and they began going through in and just day in and day out, normal life, they had families, they had work, they had things to do. It seems like the work that God had given them had kind of fallen to the backside. They weren't going anywhere with that work. It kind of was stagnant. Nobody seemed to care about that. And remember, the children, the, the nation of Judah, they weren't Gentiles. They weren't some heathen country that God asked some crazy thing of them. No, they were God's children. And many times, you'll know if your priorities are not what they're supposed to be. Because guess what? Most people that, have, that God is their number one priority, yes, it's the lost person. And yes, maybe it's even the prodigal son. But many times, it can be a Christian, a devoted Christian, who shows up to church Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon and Wednesday night and is here for soul winning sometimes and, and shows up to the church functions. It's those Christians that have just grown stagnant in the work of God, that have grown maybe apathetic to the things of God. Maybe even be somebody here sitting on a Wednesday night church. How dare you call somebody sitting on a Wednesday night church service when it's that cold outside apathetic to the things of God? <coughs> I know I'm not some keynote speaker that everybody drives across the state to come listen to. I know that. And I, I thank you guys so much for the grace and patience you guys show me as I, I try to grow my preaching. But, but do you guys come and, and on a Wednesday night and just look at the time and can't wait till Brother Benson comes up to do prayer requests and can't wait for the prayer request time to be over? Because, man, I had a long day of work and I have things to do after this. And, man, it's Sunday. Yes, we had church this morning and we had lunch. Why is the Sunday afternoon service taking so long? I have a game to get back to. Yes, it's the faithful Christians who we see in church every time the doors are open that run a risk of growing stagnant, of not having the priorities in the right place. A Christian who, 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 who is apathetic to the things of God is only a symptom of a, Christian who's, uh, of a Christian in whose life God's work isn't his number one priority. God's work is not her number one priority. That's number one. Uh, a, a Christian who, who has grown stagnant in the work of God. A Christian who has grown apathetic to the things of God, to the works of God. <clears throat> number two. Uh, those who have placed their plans above God's work, they have their reasoning for it and their excuses. And man, they come up with some good excuses. Duh, it makes sense. And obviously they're going to run it past their peers or past their pastor or past their fellow church members. Obviously this is why I can't be as involved as I used to be because these things are coming up. And I, I, I'm not going to sit here and preach. Some things are legitimate. Whether it be health reasons or they're just, they're just legitimate, le, le, legitimate reasons. But there's some who come up with excuses and for reasonings as to they can't, why they can't be as involved as they used to be or why they can't help in this project for the Lord. And, and their reasoning makes sense to us and they've practiced it and all God sees is excuses. Excuses as to why you won't get involved in his work. Excuses as to why his work isn't number one priority in your life. Not only, so we see uh, a people, a Christian who's, who's God's work is the number one in his life. He, they, grow, they grow stagnant in their walk with God. They, they grow stagnant to the things of God, apathetic to the things of God. And they have their excuses. They have their reasoning. Another thing we see is um, those who place their plans above God's work. I'm going to try and highlight this from the scripture. They are ignorant to God's chastening in their life. For 14 years, the nation of Judah thought this. The economy is just bad. For 14 years, they thought this. It's just a tough time. Every nation goes through this. For 14 years, they thought, this is just rough. We're going we're gonna to tough it through, and then we're going we're gonna to get back, right back on track. But what they didn't realize is that that was God's chastening on them because they neglected to do his work. It wasn't that the, the times were just tough, and it wasn't even that Satan was out to get them. It wasn't that. It was God's chastening on their life for them not placing God's work as your main priority. And you can tell if your priorities are out of order. If many times we like to blame Satan, and yeah, he's out to get us. And we love to blame him for any hard times in our life. And, we, and, and it's, it's just life. It, we live in America. The economy gets bad sometimes. It's just the way it is. It'll get back. Of course I'm struggling through this economy. Who isn't? And many times we'll blame everything except the fact that God is probably trying to get your attention, trying to get your attention for you to place his work that he's called you to do as your number one priority in life. That's what the nation of Judah was doing. 
They, they, they didn't realize that it was actually God that was controlling the, the, the reaping of the harvest. They didn't realize that it was God that was making sure they didn't have enough resources to survive. They didn't realize any of that. They were blinded to that. You'll grow, you'll grow apathetic. You'll have excuses. And you might even not see um, the, the, the chastisement of God in your life trying to get your attention. <clears throat> and finally, those who place their plans above God's work are never satisfied with the things they chase after. And we see that here. They were chasing after things. My home, my harvest, the money. And they were never satisfied with any of it. God made sure of that. Because you know what would have made them satisfied? Doing the work that God had called them to do from the beginning. So just four simple things. You can kind of examine your own spiritual life and be honest with yourself. That's from God's word. Does my life fit these things? Are, are my priorities out of order? I'm kind of taking my time. I've got to fly through this. I'm going to fly through this rest part, the rest of the part of the message. <clears throat> But then we see a solution, right? Here we go. The solution to, to your priorities being out of order. The first thing is it will take constant effort and dedication to place God's work above your own plans. And I'm just going to go right to the next one. Uh, obviously, that makes sense. And I think this one's even more important. It will take regular self-evaluation to make sure we place God's work above our own plans. Twice in this passage, God says, God says what? <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He tells them twice, consider your ways. Or you can say this, sit down and think. Evaluate your life. What is more important to you? And one commentator put these, these, uh, these self-evaluation questions, and I loved him. Here we go. <clears throat> Ask yourself this, how are you spending your time? Ask yourself this, how are you spending your money, which is really God's money? These folks claim that they didn't have enough resources to, to fund the temple of God, but yet they had enough resources to build up their own homes, to make him luxurious and fancy. What about what are your goals? What is it that you're aiming for in life? What is it that when you imagine yourself retiring, you can look back in your life and say, I did this, this, and this. What are your goals? What do you think about the most throughout the day? Here's a good one. Who do you look up to? Are the people you look up to people who have placed the work of God as the priority in their life? Or the people you look up to people that show you how to make a lot of money really quick? Or the people you look up to people that show you how to get a lot of uh, X, Y, and Z's attention? Or the people that you look up to uh, people that are all about dating and about, and, ab and about all these different things, those self-help coaches? Who are the people you look up to? Who are your role models? <clears throat> Ask yourself this, who are your friends? Are your friends... Uh, do you guys just kind of piggyback the same reasoning and excuses off of each other? The same reasoning as to why either family can't get involved in church as they used to be or, or they don't want to be there for this service? What are your friends? Who are your friends? There's just some questions you can, you can sit down and write for yourself and ask yourself, are my priorities right? <clears throat> but don't worry, because at the end of it all, we see from the passage that God's going to bless you for that. He's going to come beside you when you, when you make the effort to, to, to place uh, God's work on your, the, the, the work that God has for you in your life as your main priority. God will bless you, and, and God will even give you, right now it might seem like, I don't want to give my life to God. God's going to ask so many crazy things of me that that doesn't sound fun to me. But what did God do in this passage? Not only did he start blessing them, but he even gave them the fire and the zeal to get his work done. God will give you a passion for it. God will give you love for it. So there are some four things you can kind of, uh, you guys have been looking at this, so I'm, I'm going to get to this now because I'm running out of time. Okay, some four things you can, you can look at in your life and compare yourself from the Word of God. Are my priorities right? Or am I just like the nation of Judah, slacking off from what God has for me? And some of you might have seen this already before, but don't spoil it or forget about it. So we're going to have an eating contest. I'm just kidding, we're not. Okay, that was funnier in my head. <clears throat> get through this real quick. <clears throat> Here we go. Here we have this table. Here's our life. This, this container is our life. Here we go. And here's the first rock. All the rocks come from God. It is what God, blessings God gives us. This is, this is stuff that God has for our life. These are, these are things, teenagers, that God wants you to do with your life for him. These are things, adults, parents, grandparents, that God still wants you to do for him. And here's the first rock, salvation. 
You got the first one down. Awesome. Here's your life. And God says from his word, I want you to do these things for me. These awesome things for me. I want you to, to witness to people. I want you to share the gospel. I want you to get plugged in. For some of you, I want you to be a missionary or pastor. For some of you, I want you to be, to be an evangelist at your workplace. Yeah, you can be a lawyer, a mechanic in the military, but I want you to be an evangelist there for me. These are things God has for you. And here are some plans that we have for each other, for ourselves. And here we have our comforts. And here's what happens. is we're saved, and God tells us, these are the things I want you to do for me. But we say, I have some plans, though. And I, I just, these are really important, and I've been talking to people, and I've been talking to peers, and they seem to know what they're talking about. And I just have to get these, this is what I want to do with my life. And, and, then, and then you stop. You go to a youth conference, and you say, you know what? I'm going to do what God has for me. And you get back. Oh, man, that's your life, full of your plans. And then, and then there's some comforts. Right? These aren't necessary, but they're nice to have. Maybe some pleasures. You're like, oh, I just, I really like doing this stuff. And uh, it's not going to hurt anybody. And, and it blends in so well with my plans. I mean, it just makes sense with my plans. And then, boom, another revival. Another missions conference. And you say, you know what? I got to get on track. God has some things for my life I have, uh, I have to do for him. Or maybe this. I'll get to those things after I live my life. I'll get to the things God has for me. Like, Sharing the gospel with others? Uh-oh, that's filling up pretty quick. Or just being a witness at work? Ugh. Getting plugged in at church? Oh, man. Um, I guess I can fit this in there. Look at all you missed out on. Things God wanted for you. Why? Why doesn't it fit in your life? Well, because it wasn't your priority. That wasn't number one on your list. And yeah, you put your plans, and yeah, you put your pleasures and comforts in there, but guess what? There's no room for what God wanted for you to do. The work God had for you that we find in the scriptures for every single one of us. But how different does it look whenever the first thing that you focus yourself, your life with, is what? Is what God has for you. And, and, and you do what he tells you to do in his word. And as a father, you lead your family, and, and you lead them in a way that tells them, man, my husband, my, my dad, God is his number one priority. And as a mother, you, you show kids what a loving, godly mother is. And you know what? Yeah, it'll require for you to give up some stuff. Guess what? You won't be able to fit as many of your plans in there as you thought. But look at the way that just seems to work. Perfectly. God has a way of doing that, doesn't he? And you might think at first, if, if, if I serve God with my life, I'm going to miss out on all the fun stuff I want to do. My plans. And God still somehow just makes it work, as long as he's number one. And you know what? You don't listen to people that say if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, that nothing will ever be fun and you won't be able to have fun, you won't be able to have comfort or pleasures. No, guess what? In God's perfect plan, that still fits in there perfectly. The only way it's supposed to work out, though, is if God, what God has for you, the work that God has for you, this is heavy goes in first. That has to be your priority. You can try and do your plans and your comfort and your pleasures first, but guess what? Guess what you're giving up? Things God had for you. Work that God had for your life. And yeah, it might sound terrible, you might have to give up some things, but if you make what God has for your life number one priority, guess what? It just seems to work out perfectly, doesn't it? And you see God's blessing in your life, and you see God give you zeal for the things of God, it's amazing. And guess what? For 14 years, this is where Judah was. And for many Christians across the country, and scary for maybe some Christians sitting in this room tonight, this is their life. Yep, I go Sunday morning, Sunday night, some Wednesday nights, some Sunday nights, some Sunday afternoons, uh, but I just have plans. And I, li I like doing these leisure activities. This is what I like to do. But God's saying, this is what I want from you. And look how fulfilled, look how filled your life can look. You're not leaving anything on the table. Ignore these things right here. I just brought extra just in case. The nation of Judah was right here for 14 years. And many Christians, many teenagers, you're going to be led astray and led to believe that. Chase your plans, your pleasures, and you're going to look back one day. You're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to be satisfied. 
But if you make God's work your priority in life, man, it just seems to work out so much better. Let's go ahead and pray, and then Brother Benson will come up and do the prayer requests. Dear God, thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you for a simple truth we find in your book, Lord, and thank you for a reminder, Lord. Maybe it's just something that I know I definitely need to hear this, Lord. You preach this at me first. Uh, it'd be good to sit down at the beginning of the year, Lord, and just reassess what my priorities are, Lord. Look back at what my priorities were last year, then try to make adjustments this year, Lord, with your help. I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for this uh, amazing church that you, that you have my wife and I serving in. I just pray you, you do a work in, in people's hearts, Lord, whether it be to, for them to um, reorganize their priority list or give them strength to keep on keeping you as the number one. Thank you for everything you've done in my life, Lord, and everything you will do. You're going to be praying, man.